too many projects have hit their deadline but had no life in them. And so the deadline is never the main goal. To me, the main goal is when is your idea ready to be born? Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Alan Briggs, and I have the great honor of co-hosting this podcast. But on this episode, I want to get personal with you guys here at the beginning. Our world is getting shaken up, and I'm literally in the business of change. As a leadership coach, I get to help leaders. They're changing mindset. They're changing habits and schedules and ultimately the results of their lives. But I've been doing a lot of changing myself in this season. Everybody's talking about what is the new normal and what's ahead. And I think it's a beautiful moment right now, a moment of humility, a moment where we have lost control and we understand how little control we have. And I've been hearing these beautiful words, I have no idea. I don't know. We don't know what any kind of semblance of new normal has been. And we are in the midst of a massive disruption of the way we do life and the way we do family, the way we do leadership and jobs, and income, and the way we eat out. I mean, the basic things of life we won't take for granted from here on out. A lot is changing. So instead of posturing and saying, here's what I think might happen, and I am no futurist, but I can honestly say I have no idea. I have no idea what's on the other side of this. I have some thoughts, but what I do know is what's changing about me. So I wanted to start by just being really personal with you guys. We're going to talk about creativity here in a little bit. And what I believe is that limitation creates innovation, is that we change when something has to change, when there are cracks and something squeezes out of those cracks. So I'm seeing all kinds of innovations happen right now. Some of them are small and they're not recognized as such. Uh, They're not touted by Google or they're not the kind of innovation we think about, but we are relearning the way we do things. And I believe that leadership is this journey from learning things Then suddenly we hit against a crisis and we unlearn them, and then we relearn a different way to do that. The other way to say that is orientation. We get orientated towards something. We learn in a particular direction. We think we have the skills for the future, and we do until it changes, of which we hit disorientation. And then we figure out what reorientation looks like. What does that look like in our world, in macro? I don't know, but I do know that I'm being dislocated in many ways, disrupted in many ways. I'm realizing how little control that I have. And so I just wanted to share some things that I have recognized from my own life during this time. The first one is that life is way more complex than I realized. During this stretch, I've stayed inside so much of the time. I've stayed within my home and walking distance from my home, and it has been simple. I had no idea how many times I was trying to squeeze in a quick run here between picking this kid up and dropping this kid off and doing this thing and shooting this email. Life has become simple for a season, and and I love that. There are some really hard things that have come out of this. There are a lot of complexities right now in our culture, but for me, I'm realizing that many things that should have been simple were complex, and in the next season, I look forward to saying, how can we simplify and minimalize and how can we bring to the surface things that are incredibly simple? So number one, I just realized my life was more complex than I realized and that it should have been. The second thing I've realized about myself is that I love walking. 
Now, I, I really have rediscovered the art of walking. I know it sounds crazy, but early in my marriage, my wife and I used to go on walks before we had kids, and we would just kind of walk out the day, and sometimes we were frustrated or angry or excited, and we would go for a few miles and just talk and sometimes walk to dinner. I miss those days, and I have loved just slowly walking around, taking some phone calls uh, as I walk having conversations, bringing my daughter along, bringing my son along, bringing my wife along, and maybe bringing no one along and just listening, just hearing from God. I have rediscovered the art of walking, and it's been beautiful. I want to keep that in my life as we return to whatever a new kind of normal looks like. Another thing I've learned is that I don't need to go out as much as I thought. As a quintessential extrovert, I've actually been quite content being at home and going outside and and getting outside air and sun and going in the back to my hammock and sitting outside and maybe even you know kind of yelling across the street to my neighbors and making sure they're doing okay but i have not missed the madness of supermarkets and of going to the grocery stores and this store and that store and picking up this thing and I have just loved not going out as much, not driving as much, feeling so much more grounded and placed in this time. It's really been beautiful. And I'm going to have to process, how do I add that back? Because I don't want to add that back fully. And I I want to make sure that slowly we enter into the things of having to go out. And maybe having Uber Eats and sitting outside is a great way for us to have a dinner together and just thinking about what's the opportunity cost in going out that rush that hurry that happens many times. I just don't need to go out as much as I thought. The next one is that our family was way busier than I thought. I mean, way busier. We're not commuting. No essential meetings are happening. I'm not carting kids around town. Now, some of these things I have to go to, right? There are things that my kids are involved in, and I absolutely love that. They're friends that I do want to see at the coffee shop. But Rush crept into our meal times. It crept into the times that I got home. Maybe if I was a little bit late, then we'd start something late and kids got to get in bed. And I just realized our family was busier than we thought. And I need to be careful that I don't just add things completely back in, kind of like coming off of a diet. You don't just add everything straight back in. You would shock your system. And I don't want to add everything back in. Everything is going to be guilty until proven innocent in our lives. The busyness we've had as a family And just to slow down to say, there's margin in our evenings now, not just in our Sabbath, not just in our weekends. That's been beautiful. And the last thing, I need to create things with my hands, not just my mind. All week long, I'm producing ideas and I'm connecting with people, some amazing folks that I get to coach in leadership, watching some incredible things happen, collaborating with our team. But these are producing digital capital. And that simply isn't enough. I love the face-to-face and I do miss that right now. But I have gone to the scrap pile and I have built some things out of reclaimed wood. I've nailed some things and screwed some things and painted some things and built some things. And it has been so energizing and life-giving for me. I'm actually looking out at our garden as I record this from my writing shed and thinking, man, I should probably start planting. Should probably get the flowers pretty soon here in the ground uh, for this late spring that comes in Colorado. I need to have dirt underneath my fingernails. I need to have splinters in my hands just to be able to build something physical. Maybe for you, it's painting. Maybe it's writing a song, but something beyond the digital world as we're hearing about Zoom fatigue and Zoombies. I mean, there is so much going on online. We have to pull away to be able to create some things physically, not just digitally. 
Those are some of the paradigm shifts that I'm experiencing right now. We would love to hear some of the things that you're experiencing. And so if you're catching a little bit of glimpse of this on Instagram, you can go ahead and leave us a comment there. If you're seeing the preview on Facebook, go ahead and leave us a comment there. We would love to hear what are you processing right now? What are you unlearning and relearning? Because some have said that leaders of the future are going to need to be flexible and adaptable and constantly unlearning things so we can begin to relearn them and ultimately to learn them in a healthier, more sustainable way. I believe that the world's had a big reset button hit for us right now. And there's pain in that. There are obstacles in that. We have to look around the next few corners to try to anticipate what's coming the the best we can. I don't know what's coming in macro, but I do know in micro what God is doing in my life. And in my heart, my times have been rich with God. My dinners have been long with the family. I've loved a new rhythm and just catching that. I've loved not feeling as much rush and hurry. And it's really given me some things to think about in this next season. Already coming, I think, from a good place. But what does it look like to be in a better place? What does it look like to live and lead healthy? What are some of these areas of my life that God has exposed during this time? So I think this is a perfect lead-in to the second part of my conversation with Alan Arnold. He works with Ransom Heart Ministries alongside of John Eldridge, literally helping men get their hearts back, does some incredible work, but he also works in the space of creativity, coaching creativity out of leaders. Uh, He spent about 20 years in the publishing industry and actually continues to publish the resources for Ransomed Heart. So we talk about creativity, about what God is doing right now in this moment and how we might respond as leaders. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with my friend, Alan Arnold. I think that's where a lot of the like gritty, honest writing comes from, where people are telling us their secrets, is you're, you're almost beaten down a little bit by life, and you think, man, they wrote this in trenches. They wrote this in struggle. Um, so good, man. So helpful. Uh, talk about the relationship between deadlines and creativity. What do you see there? The caveat is I know for some people it's helpful to have an end date uh, on a calendar because if they don't, they'll procrastinate and and something will never get done. I get that. And as a publisher, we always had due dates for manuscripts and deadlines. But here's the problem. Uh, A line of death, a deadline, literally line of death, is not necessarily going to bring more life to your creativity. And so um, I I do believe, sure, there are certain moments when something has to finally be born. Um, In other words, you're not going to stay pregnant with an idea probably for 40 years that any more than a, a, you know, a mom would stay pregnant with child for two years instead of nine months. And so there is a time for things to be born. But too many projects have hit their deadline, but had no life in them. And so the deadline is never the main goal. To me, the main goal is when is your idea ready to be born? When is your idea ready to be fully birthed? And a lot of times we have to pause in the thing we're creating because God has more to do in shaping us before we are ready to give birth to the thing we're creating. In other words, we're we're not ready yet. And so, yeah, I mean, if somebody told you or me, you have to, you have to write a manuscript and it's due um, 
June 1st, July 1st, you know, you've got a couple of months. We could do that on a word count level, but word count isn't the goal. The goal is, does it have life? Does it have an eternal spark? And, and it, just because somebody tosses us a deadline and we hit it doesn't mean that's been achieved. So, Alan, I get into interesting discussions with writers all the time because one thing that's popular in the writer community is word count. And so you'll hear a lot from writers of, you know, oh, I wrote, you know, 2,000 words today, 1,500 words, 4,000 words. And to me, that never is very, the whole concept isn't impressive. Because it's the same. Sure. You're like, were they good words? Were they rich words? Were they words you care about? Or were they just words you slapped down there? Right. Well, it'd be like if if you asked me, how was your vacation? And I said, oh, man, um, I walked 5,000 steps every day. Well, I've told you a true statement that isn't helpful at all. Because I could have walked in circles or I could have seen the most magnificent things the earth has to offer. And so, right, it's not about primarily, and, and some of your favorite, you know, works of art and mine, I don't know how long it took that artist to create it, whether it's a book or a song or a movie. I just know the ones that have an eternal spark. And I'm glad those artists took the time, however long it was, to give birth to it in the right way. Because in the end, I don't, you know, C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia, did he hit his deadline on every book? I have no idea. Who cares? And who cares? But but the point is, I feel like however long it took him to do it, he took long enough to do it right. And so that's what I want to encourage listeners is focus less on the deadline and focus more on giving birth in the right way. And, and a big part of giving birth in the right way is you living well first. Because before we create well, we have to live well. And... And many people try to divorce their creativity from their life. And it, it ultimately never works because we can't create, I don't believe, something more impressive than the story we're living. And so if we're living a life in disarray and fragmented and we're short with our wife and our kids or our spouse and our kids as we're creating, it's hard to believe the end product is going to have more life in it than we do. Yeah, so good. Alan, what do you tell the person who tells you I'm not creative? Those are my favorite people to talk to. <laughs> okay, tell me more. Let's go. Because here's, here's why. Because I know what awaits them. But what I tell them is, how how is that possible? How could you not be creative when our Father, God, the very first way he chose to reveal himself to us out of any way he could have revealed himself was his creator, capital C. And we have his DNA in us. He breathed not just life, but his creativity into us. He knit us together with creativity. And so while we may not have ever experienced it or don't understand it or have, have not stepped into it yet, how could we not be creative when our father is the creator? So I start there and then I help people see maybe a new definition of creativity, which to me has been a game changer. When I talk to a lot of people, it changed it for me when I first started seeing creativity this way. And that is 
I believe a better definition than the dictionary definition is creativity is bringing something new into existence through our gifting and our presence that changes the atmosphere. And so under that definition. Can you say that one more time? Yeah. I like that. And and I'm not reading this. I'm just doing this. I mean, it's kind of a definition I live with, so I may say it's slightly different. But creativity is bringing something new into existence through our presence and our gifting that forever changes the atmosphere. Now, the premise there is we do it with God, not in our own strength. And when we look at how God created, going all the way back to Genesis 1, that's exactly what he did. In fact, in Genesis 1-2, I mean, we could, you and I, if we were at, at lunch or over coffee, Alan, we could talk about this for hours. But, but my favorite verse in Genesis, because of what it reveals, is the first three verses. In Genesis 1-2 is the most mysterious where God, his spirit, hovers over the murky darkness, this unformed uh, darkness, this this undescribable emptiness, blackness. And he goes into that. And from that, whatever else happens, Hebrew scholars believe that verse is showing us he creates beauty, life, and order where there was disorder and emptiness. And this was before what we know in Scripture as the days of creation. So even before he began creating in what we would say, this is day one, this is day two of creation, he was actually creating order from disorder, beauty from nothingness, emptiness. And so that's what we get to do. And he did it through his presence, who he was as well as what he was bringing, speaking life and light into. And so our creativity isn't just what we do, it's who we are. It starts with who we are. So if you're a stay-at-home mom, and and every mom is a stay-at-home mom as we're recording this, right? But if you're a normal right. stay-at-home mom, or you have toddlers at home, and you think, man, I, I, I can't be creative. Nobody sees me. I don't have a, a job outside of the home. But let me tell you, you are forever changing the atmosphere in that home by who you are and what you do. And you're shaping those lives in extremely creative ways. A barista, a waiter can forever change the experience people have at a restaurant uh, by changing the atmosphere around that table by who they are and what they're doing. And, and so it starts with people understanding, right, if God is creator and I'm his son or daughter, how could I not be creative? Now, what does creativity look like and what am I drawn to? What am I passionate about? What do I love doing? And now how do I pursue that with God, creator and co-creator? Um, not doing things for God, which is fine and good, but even better doing things with God, co-creating together with him. So you left a large publishing house and pivoted into working with Ransomed Heart. And I wonder about the connection there, Alan. So how has creativity intersected with helping men get their hearts back? Well, I think the, the intersection to me is intimacy with God. 
And what drew me to Ransomed Heart, long before I became part of the team, I was going to their events. I was reading John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart, Walking with God, several others. And the journey it brought me on was it awakened my heart through intimacy with God. In other words, and this was in my probably mid-30s to early 40s, and and I, even though I had been a Christian my whole life, I didn't know what it meant to be a son of God. I had no idea. I knew the verses that God is my father. I understood that from a theological standpoint, but I didn't understand it from a heart standpoint. And so, so Ransomed Heart, the ministry that John Elder started, helped me to begin a journey of sonship. And that journey of sonship can only happen in intimacy with God. And so as I began to learn how to be a son and and really understand God as father, intimate father to me, not conceptually, that started awakening my heart to the things I love to do. And no longer used to, I felt like when I would try to pursue things I, I like to do, it was always for productivity, for, for acclaim, you know, to prove my worth, um, to, to get a raise, you know, to come through. And now all of a sudden, those very things I loved, it was, I get to do this with God out of joy. And honestly, it, it's fine if that's all there is to it. That's more than enough. And so that was the bridge for me, was Ransomed Heart helped me understand what it meant to be a son and how to pursue a life of the heart. And then that awakened in me these dreams and, and creative, you know, just creative desires. And and I get this, I was a publisher, like I said, with, you know, hundreds of authors over over multiple hundreds of books in total. And I never imagined writing my own book. Like it, it would be like a, you know, a basketball coach who coached, you know, you just never thought about it. I, I never, um, I was so busy helping other people write that I just never believed it would even be possible. And so it was, it was kind of like the, you know, I read Superman comics, but I don't ever think I'm going to fly or be bulletproof. Um, but I really liked reading them. And when I was working with other authors, I loved helping their stories come to life, but I never really put myself in the, in the sweet spot of writing a book. And, and to be honest, I'm glad I didn't at that time, because it probably would have been a book on efficiency and productivity with things I would really not even embrace right now because of where my life was at that time. But after my heart awakened, And after I learned to walk as a son and this whole passion of doing life with God was front and center, well, ultimately then I wrote a book called The Story of With, W-I-T-H. And and the whole thing is an allegory on what does it look like to pursue our life and creativity with God. And it's told through an allegory. And, And so the person who had been the publisher and the coach of authors you know, for over a decade, now all of a sudden God says, Hey, get a piece of paper out. Let's write your, let's write a story, you and me. And, and so it's just, I'm grinning as I say that because it was such a joy and I was doing it for the right reason, not to prove anything, not to create a bestseller, 
but to enter into my passion and gifting actively with God. That's good. Yeah, guys, I'd highly recommend the story of with a better way to live, love, and create. So refreshing. And I remember that first time we met for lunch, just saying, man, there's somebody here that doesn't just believe this is a career. This is an industry thing. This is the next bestseller. This is something that is a gift to us first. That is a joy. If people ever thank me for writing, I go, don't worry about it. I had a blast first, right? I learned the most out of this process. And it kind of gives you an excuse to think in one line. Everyone's a genius was that for me. How do we dissect creativity and the living God and the local church and the sending of people to live out their calling? Um, by the time that that bad boy's done, you go, man, I have learned so much. Uh, the greatest gift has been to me. Uh, a couple more questions here. Uh, curiosity and creativity. There's such a huge connection there. What are you curious about right now? Well, Alan, what you're saying is one of the main ingredients of creativity. Like if you quit asking questions, then I think your creativity at some point stagnates and calcifies because, because you are no longer growing and your art can't outgrow you. And so what I'm curious about right now, and I'm passionate about this, God has been bringing me into how chaos impacts our creativity. And so for probably the last three years, I have been diving into scripture and books and long conversations with really creative people about what happens when creativity and chaos collide. I mean, we live in a world where Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have, I think you could substitute the word chaos. And yet he gives us creative desires and he invites us to pursue them with him. And so how do we pursue creativity with chaos? And I found that most of the time, and I'll just use believers here, um, but most of the time, I think believers approach it in a way that's not helpful to their creativity. You know, chaos hits and they freeze or they shut down or they wait it out. You know, so many writers will tell me when I'll see them at, at a gathering and I'll say, how's your book coming along? They'll say, well, my life's kind of crazy right now, but as soon as it calms down, I'll get back to it. And I always want to go, no, 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 no. Be creative in the midst of the chaos. And, and so part one, what I'm seeing is we can be creative in the midst of chaos. Part two is we actually can reshape the chaos. I think that was the first lesson that God taught us in, in scripture. The very first thing he models for us is how to enter into chaos and bring beauty, life, and order out of it. And so that's Genesis 1-2. And so that's where I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm taking a lot of notes. I'm, I'm working on a book, but I haven't set a deadline because I don't just want to hit a deadline. I want it to be done when it's ready. I originally thought it was going to be out last year. And then I thought it would be out by now this year. And now when people ask, I say, I don't really know. I'm, I know I'm pregnant and I know I'm asking a lot of questions and I'm fascinated by this topic. Not sure how far along. Yeah, but it'll, it'll be born when it's ready. And, um, 
but I'm, but if you could see like, you know, my desk and the books and, and my notes, you would see a lot of writing and questions and question marks about how did God and Jesus engage with chaos as two of the, the, the most created beings ever. And now how can we take what they modeled and step into it as their sons and daughters? And what a strange tension between the chaos or, or the spark, the divine breeze that we need to create. And yet what you talked about earlier was our lives getting so chaotic that there's not order, there's not a place of life we're riding from. So it feels like a tension, not something to be solved, but something to live between and be managed of there's always going to be crisis. And if your life is crazy and unhealthy, good luck producing something of beauty and order. Um, so health, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for leaders, big deal for creatives. How do you personally stay healthy, Alan, so you can keep creating? You have to stay healthy and you have to, and I think it's spiritual health is, you know, far more important even than physical health. Although they're obviously both really important and tied together. But I think first it's, are we actively pursuing our union with God every day? If we're not, eventually we will implode. It's just, it's just a matter of when. So union with God to me is the first sign of my health. When somebody says, how's your heart? I don't think about, you know, an EKG. I think about my heart, meaning am I guarding my heart, nurturing my heart above all else, because it's the wellspring of life. So I want that wellspring of life in all that I do. And I don't get it if I don't nurture my heart. And that's from union with God. So that's the first thing. But I think the second thing is we do have to stay physically healthy. We have to stay, you know, some people will sit at a, at a chair all day and try to write or be creative. And eventually, is there a world, my world, anybody's world, becomes smaller and smaller, we all, we need to live more and then create more. You know, it's, it's that sometimes when we're stuck, it's because we're not living more. We need to go out on a walk. We need to take a hike. We need to um, just breathe fresh air, get our hands, you know, in the dirt. Um, and, and we need to experience more of life. And so I think to me, those are kind of two really important things, gauges for my own health is, am I pursuing union with God? Am I walking in sonship? And then am I getting out? Am I, am I experiencing life outside of my study or the laptop or the notebook? And then the last thing I would say is, you know, it's, it's always to me trying new things it is to me a catalyst for creativity. So am I going to a new restaurant? Am I, you know, am I trying uh, to go a different route when I drive somewhere? Am I experiencing things I haven't, listening to music that I haven't? Am I, am I having conversations with people that I haven't? Because otherwise, as our life gets into a formula, the health of our art goes down. The health of our art, you know, starts to become formulaic the more our life does. So those are some, those are some things for me. And, and as big as our creativity is, 
to me, we have to remember the number one goal is pursuing what we love with God. And it's not a higher level of production. It's not cranking more out. It's not being more claimed by the world standard. And so if we can keep that mindset, I think, Alan, we can we can stay physically healthy, spiritually healthy, and and our art can have an eternal spark. But but it only happens when we pursue it with God in a way that's healthy. And um, you know, I I guess I would close that with uh, I met with a an, an author recently at his home, and the author had just finished a manuscript, and he had a printer. And he said, hey, while we're out here on the deck catching up, let me print out a copy of this manuscript for you. And we had been talking for about an hour, and he was burnt out. Uh, he was kind of jacked up on coffee, jittery with all the caffeine, bags under his eyes, you know. And um, I could tell was just not in a great place. And his book was on peace with God. Live, you know, wow. and I and I knew this man enough to say, actually don't print a copy out for me right now because I don't, it's not that I don't think that that manuscript is biblically uh, sound. I don't think there's any problems with the theology. I know you, I know what you believe, but I don't think you can give birth to a book about peace when you seem so stressed and agitated. And so you hit a deadline, but, I don't think what you gave birth to is actually going to accomplish much in the state you're in right now and in the state you were in while you were creating it. And so in other words, the health of the creator has to come before the art and we can't breathe life into something in an area that we don't really have life in at the moment. And so that's what I would, I would just say to people listening, like, Yes, get a gauge of your own heart. How are you nurturing your heart every day? Because if we're supposed to be doing it above all else, and, and you know, I ask somebody that question and they can't answer how they're actively nurturing their heart, then that's a sign, that's a warning sign. Because it shouldn't be the last thing we do if there's time. It should be the first thing. It's good. It's a great place to end there, that connection between creativity, health, Focus on the one who is creating before the thing that is being created. So good. Alan, thanks for stopping by the podcast. Keep up all the great work. Thanks, Alan. I really enjoyed our conversation. This has been good. Man, such good stuff to think about in that episode. I want you guys to think about one area that you need to create in right now. What's one area you need to create? Maybe you've been itching to pull the paints back out again. Maybe you've been itching to play your guitar again. I've loved watching people play songs online that I didn't even know sang or played the guitar. I've loved watching people get outside and get their gardens ready here in Colorado and dig up the ground. What is that for you, that area that you absolutely need to create because it's so life-giving to you? Maybe you don't have all the time in the world. Maybe you're still working the same amount, but you got a little bit of space as we head into summer. So don't forget those things. Don't neglect those things. What's one creative thing that you need to tend to in this season? Because that's a huge piece 
of living and leading healthy for the long haul. Guys, we love these conversations. We're going to continue to bring you good conversations, some of them focusing on COVID and this season and what a re-entry into life might look like. Some of these are going to have nothing to do with coronavirus. Some of you are saying we're talking way too much about it. I just want to talk about life. I want to talk about leadership. I want to talk about health. We'll get back to that. Guys, we love hosting this. We love having these conversations, but really we love watching the paradigm shifts that you guys are having inside. So if there's anything that you're learning from this, would love for you guys to shoot us an email at hello at stayforth.com. That's hello at stayforth.com. And just tell us, what do you enjoy about the podcast? What are you learning? Sometimes we don't get much feedback for a while. Other times I get texts and emails that roll in. So shoot us a message at hello at stayforth.com. What are you learning on this podcast? And what are you going to create in this next season? Thanks for joining us. We love having these conversations and we are crazy enough to believe you can live and lead for the long haul without losing your soul in the process. Go lead healthy, guys. So long.